Good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles with you, or there's some in front of you, would you open your Bibles, please, to 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. And as we continue on this series of discipleship throughout 2021, we're going to be reading those verses, those verses, please. Thank you. 1 John chapter 5, 2 and 3. This is how... We know that we love the children of God by loving God and obey, carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Good morning, church. It's good to see everyone here today. So I have a question for you to start off. How do you know that children love you? How do you know that children love you? I know children show their affection and their love to us in many different ways, right? For myself, I have three little kids. The best way that I can think of right now that they show their love to me is by them spending time with me, specifically cuddle times. I like their cuddle times with me, right? They want to cuddle with me, they want to chat. They want to cuddle with me and they just want to tickle. And they want to cuddle with me just, you know, I'd be sitting at my desk working, they just want to hug me in silence. I love that. But nothing compares to when my children, each of them, told me that, that they love me for the first time. That is amazing. And every time they say it to me, even to now, I still, you know, I, my heart goes back to that first time that they said it for the first time. I love it. Um, this morning, what I want to do is I want us to tell God that we love him. And the way that we do that, and what we're going to talk about this morning, is this. I want us to grow in, in, our, in our loving obedience to God as a way of telling him that we love him. And we see that in our, in, our, um, in our scripture reading this morning. Our scripture reading this morning, I really appreciate because it puts two things together that we have in our relationship with God. Love for God and obedience to God. According to that passage, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, these two things are not different. These two things are synonymous. They are one and the same. When we say we love God, it means we follow his commands. We keep his commands. We obey him. When we say we obey him, it means that we love him. So this morning, our goal is to encourage all of us today to grow in our loving obedience to God. You know, we put those two words together, love and obedience. So when we have that loving obedience to God, it is our appropriate response to the love that God has for us. Remember the love that God has for us? Remember the chairs? God loves us with the love that pursues. God loves us with the love that never turns back. We turn our backs against Him, but He never does turn His back on us we, because we can always go to him right but obedience is a tricky thing right obedience is when we obey god it's 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 
it's, uh, it's, it's uh, tricky. Because when we obey God, we start off not, lit- not, not being motivated by love itself right away. Uh, and what, that's what we're going to do this morning as we look into our lesson. We're going to look at you know, how we progress in our obedience to God. And then end up really being motivated by love as we obey God. Sometimes we, you know, initially we're, 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 we're motivated by fear. We obey out of, love, out of fear. And then at some point we obey out of, you know, a sense of self-interest. And then again, our goal is to grow in our relationship with God to the point that we love Him, that, that we obey Him because we love Him. That when we do what he says to us, it's not work. It is out of love. It is something that we actually want to do. Right? Not because we're going to be punished. Not because it's good for us. Not because we're going to benefit from it. It's because we love to do it. So let's start. Fear. First off, what is this emotion that God has given us? Fear. What is this thing all about? Um, Imagine, for example, you're going on a walk. Late at night. In a place where, where you're not familiar with, maybe like a foreign city, right? And you're walking. You want to get to a place. Maybe your hotel room. Maybe you're there for a business trip, perhaps. And you know that your hotel room is that way, but you have to go this way because the road goes that way. And then, you know, at some point, it's going to intersect and you can go right. But you're walking and then you look to your right and there's this alleyway. Looks like that. And you know if you took that, it's going to be a shortcut to your hotel room. Right? What is going on in your minds right now? Would you go through there? Now, the answer to that question that's in your mind right now is that word, fear. Fear is initially a good thing. Fear is something that God has given us so that we can preserve our lives. So that we can be motivated to do something that is beneficial for us. Because we know it's going to be safe for us. It protects us. It keeps us safe. That's a good thing. Okay, that is a very good thing. Um, that's why we hear uh, in Psalm 110, 111 verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who follow his commandments have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Now, according to this psalm, it's the beginning of wisdom, it's the fear of the Lord. And by fear, we mean this healthy fear that, that we, you know, we respect God, we revere Him for who He is. When He tells us that we need to do something, when we respect Him, when we have a fear of the Lord, we know who's talking. He's not just a friend. He's not just like a, like a, like a guy that we understand. He's not like just Santa Claus that's fictional. We know that he's the God of the universe. And when he tells us to do something, we know that it, it is going to be for our own good. Right? Like, don't walk on that sidewalk, guy. He, we know that it's probably not a good thing to go on that sidewalk. Right? In that context that we just saw earlier. Right? And if we have that fear of the Lord... It is the beginning of understanding. This is how we start off, right? And when we do that, it means that we have a good understanding. We have a good perception of things. We understand what's at stake. We know. When we see that alleyway, we know, oh, 
my spidey senses tell me I'm not going that way because it's not safe. I'm, I better go this way and that way. It's going to take me five more minutes longer, but it's okay. Good understanding. Right? That is the beginning of, um, of, uh, of our knowledge of God. I see this in action. We see this in action in the Old Testament. Do you guys remember in Exodus when the Israelites were, uh, were just out of Egypt from slavery and they were in the wilderness and they were just receiving the Ten Commandments from God through Moses? Do you guys remember? Moses would go up because God is speaking through Moses, giving him the Ten Commandments, the commandments of God. But then the people down below the mountain, the Israelites, they were just listening and seeing all the stuff that was going on. They were in the, in the presence of God. Do you guys remember what they were hearing and feeling? They were hearing thunders. They were like the mountains were shaking. They were so afraid. Every time God spoke, that's what happened. So what did they ask Moses to do? This is what they asked Moses to do. In Exodus 20 verse 19, they said to Moses, Moses, you speak with us. We're going we're gonna to hear. We're going to listen to you. But don't let God speak to us because we are afraid that we are going to die when he does. Please, just you talk to us. You, you go talk to God yourself, but just pass on his message to us. That is what he said. But look at what Moses said, right, in response to this, in verse 20. He says, don't fear. God has come to test you. That his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. God needed to introduce that initially to the, to the, to the Israelites, so his people, to know who he is. He is the God of the universe. His presence, his glory is not something that we can just really grasp. So we can understand, I know who God is. He says it, I'll do it. Because I know who he is. I've heard his thunderous voice. Every time he does something, the earth shook. I remember when he was giving the commandments to Moses. That's what happened. I'm going to do what he said. Fear motivates us to really focus on God. That's a good thing. But we need to grow out of this. Okay? We can't stay like this in our obedience at this level because it is not, it is not healthy. It is debilitating. And it is hindering us from growing in our relationship with God. Okay? How is it debilitating? Well, if we focus on fear as our motivator to obey God, if we only obey God because I know if I don't do this, if I don't go to church, if I don't worship, if I don't do this, He's going to send me to hell. Or He's going to punish me in this life. If that's the only thing that, that, that is motivating us primarily in our obedience to God, then it will be our outlook on life and our outlook on Christianity and our relationship with God will be negative. And that is debilitating. Think about it. We're going to look at our past and we're going to look at it in a negative way and you know what that results to. When we look at our past in a negative way, that leads to depression. And then we're going to look at our future. And because we are motivated by fear, we're going to look at it in a negative way. 
when we look at our future in a negative way, what does that lead to? Anxiety. It's debilitating. Okay, it's debilitating. We don't want that. It's not a relationship. Right? It is not a relationship that we want to be in. And it hinders us from growing in our relationship with God. Right? It does. It hinders us because everything that we're going to think about is negative. Everything that we want to think about is, this is something that I cannot do. We're only going to be concerned on the things that we cannot do. Can you imagine a relationship where the only thing that you're thinking about is, well, I can't do this, 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 and this. If I don't do these things, I'm good. Well, how about the things that you actually can do? Can you imagine in my relationship with Linda, for example, my wife, if if I am motivated by fear or by negative things, I'm only going to think, well, I, I'm not going to sleep with another woman. I'm not going to, you know, look at pornography. I'm not, you know, I'm, all the things that I can do. If, I, as long as I'm not doing these, I'm okay. But how about going on a date with her? Oh, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing these things, so I'm okay. How about helping her with the chores at home? Doing it together, having fun together in that way. No. As long as I'm not doing these, 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 and these, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And that is going to lead me in a relationship where I know it can be great, but I just don't want it to be great. That is what happens when our obedience is motivated at the level of fear and fear alone. It's good to start with, but it can't stay there. Okay? Now, let's look at an obedience that is motivated out of Self, maybe self-interest or selfish desires. Let's look at that. Self. Do you guys um, remember, uh, you guys have all used Google Maps, right? Google Maps. I want to see nods. Google Maps. Google Maps. I'm seeing nods. Good. Have you guys used the, the street, street view, uh, the street view function? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Street view. Okay. So for those who are, have not used it yet, Google Maps looks like this. For example, you want to go to the, the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. It's the only one in the world. It's, it's here in Winnipeg, if you guys haven't heard. If you guys have been living under a rock, it's in Winnipeg. You want to go there, right? You want to go there. You, you open Google Maps, it looks like this. It's, the, the box is not there. It's just for, for you guys, so you guys know where it is. But you want to know, if you haven't been there before, what it looks like. So what you do is you use the Street Finder view, Okay. So you go to the bottom right corner of the page. There's this little guy that looks like this. You click on that. You drag it on the road. And when you do, Google Maps shows you the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. You don't have to guess what it looks like. You're going to know. And you can look around and you can see where you, you, where you can park. You can see where the stores are. Amazing. You can do this anywhere in the world for the most part. Okay, now here's the question. When you guys found this out, what's the first building that you guys looked at? Your house. Your house. My house is the first one that I looked at. Why? Because we think about ourselves. It's, it's innate in us to love ourselves. That's okay. God put that in us. That's why we have, you know, we are concerned about self-respect. That's why we're concerned about our self-worth. That's why we're concerned about our, uh, our self-preservation. 
Because God put that in us. That's good. So when we look at scripture, when we look at verses that tell us to do something, we think about our place in that particular truth. For example, say, you see 2 Thessalonians 1, 8-9, right? It's in scripture, it's in the Bible. We read, He will punish those, God will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. When we see things like this, yes, it's scary. Yes, again, we are being, uh, there's this level of fear that we talked about, right? That's the initial thing. But there's this other aspect that tells us, hey, dude, you got to do something about that because it involves you. It involves your own personal self-preservation. Look at that. If you do not obey the gospel of Christ, there will be eternal punishment in store for you. Right? I have to think about that for myself. And you have to think about that for yourself. Right? That's a good thing. Because we have to think of ourselves as well, of our interests as well. Okay? But here's the thing. Just like fear, our obedience to God cannot be primarily motivated out of our own self-interests. Can't. Why? Again, because in a relationship that's primarily motivated by self-interest is, is a toxic environment. It is, it is not going to be a good place for us to be. Right? Because when that happens... We are going to take what we believe God wants and that is what we are going to offer to Him in our praise, in our worship, and in our service. We are going to take our own understanding and we are going to put it in place of God. Do you guys remember the show called The Simpsons? I hope you guys are all going to nod. Yes, The Simpsons, right? The Simpsons. It's a cartoon, but there's... A lot of adult content in there. Like one of the episodes that I really love is when is is uh, is like uh, it's an occasion where Marge had a birthday. Do you guys remember this? Marge had a birthday, and you guys remember what Homer gave Marge as a gift? Ma- Homer had a bowl. Ha- he has his bowling buddies, right? He loved to bowl, going to the bowling club, and he bowls. So he got Marge a bowling ball. But Marge never bowled in her life. Marge doesn't like bowling. But Homer proceeded to give Marge a bowling ball. Do you guys, can you guys guess what Marge's reaction to the gift was? Okay, here it is. In so many zero words. Marge is like, I don't bowl, Homer. What am I going to do with this? You know what Homer said? Well, I know a guy who could use it. Look, can you guys see the ball? Can you guys see that Homer had his name inscribed on the ball? He gave Marge a gift that is actually not for Marge. It's actually for him. In our obedience to God, if it is motivated by our own self-interests, What we are going to get from this whole church thing, this whole God-faith thing, if that is what is motivating us, then we are not praising 
and honoring and obeying God. We are doing all of that for ourselves. For ourselves. You know, in our, in our uh, focus, con- congregational focus for this year, starting this year, I might add, is discipleship. And discipleship literally is following Jesus. It's being more and more like Jesus. Now, if our motivation for obeying God is selfish, we are not going to try to be more and more like God, to be more and more like Jesus. You know what we're going to do? Instead of trying to be more and more like Jesus, here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to make Jesus look more and more like us. We are going to form a, 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 a picture of Jesus in our mind and in our heart that we want to form. We might form a view of Jesus that is only like a genie in a bottle. I've, I've used this analogy before with you, but I'm going to use it again. Like a genie in a bottle. We put him in there and we pop him open when we want something from him. We want this Jesus to be the guy who saves us. We want this guy to be the guy that answers our prayer because somebody in our family is sick. We want this guy to give us the best of what this life can offer us. But he has a little bottle that he lives in. And we want this bottle to be small enough so that this bottle where Jesus sits can fit in our back pocket like this. Why? Because we want him to be accessible to us at any time. But easy for us to put him away enough so that when we are in contexts where it's awkward to bring Jesus up, we don't have to. If I'm with my friends, don't really, I don't really want to tell my friends about this church thing that I'm doing. So, hold on. You can go in the back there, Jesus. Oh, I'm at home. I'm at home. I'm at home. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mom, dad, Jesus. Jesus. Excellent. Very good. That is what's going to happen. But you know what's, what's, what's even worse than that is it's not going to, it's not only going to affect us. It is also going to affect the people around us because of our selfish desires in obeying Christ. What's going to happen? is that we, we, we would be like the Pharisees. We would shut the door to other people that are trying to obey Jesus. Because we are going to impose things on them that's not even biblical. We are going to impose standards on people that Jesus didn't even impose on us. And we think because of our traditions, because you know that's one of the re- ways that I look at Jesus' traditions, if I think about it selfishly, is, well, if these, you know, these guys have to do it this way or no way at all. I'll give you an example. You know, uh, Linda and I have lived pretty much across Canada in the UK. And in one of the congregations, I remember I, I would preach uh, in, in these congregations, but in one of the congregations I, I preached, we were living there for a time as well. Um, after I preached on a Sunday like this, I came, I came uh, it's, this worship was done, but there's this woman, this elderly woman. She's been a member of the church for a while. 
came up to me. I thought I said something bad, but I could see her coming coming towards me, and she was upset. And I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? What did I do? Like, I was second-guessing myself. What did I say? Right? And then she she told me, Jay. Remember, I was not the full-time minister. I was in the army. Like I, I just preached, right? I was one of the regular members. Jay, do you see that guy over there? Then I looked. There's In the back, there's this guy sitting. I never saw him before. I was like, what is that? Can you find out what that guy wants? I don't think he should be here today. And then she stormed out. And then I talked to the guy. And the guy smelled. I don't think he's taken a bath for a while. And it's, it, it's, it, it, it took like maybe two or three seconds for me to find out that person was homeless. If we are not careful, we are going to be busy creating a good church for ourselves. And not think about the mission of Jesus. Why did Jesus come here? So that he can serve and give his life a ransom for many. Let us not take our minds off of that mission. Because if we are motivated by self-interest, we are going to look at church. We're going to come here and we're going to look at what do these guys have for me today? What does Jay have for me today? And if we have that mindset of our obedience being motivated by our own self-interest, we're going to drive home and go, I didn't get a lot from that worship today. That's what's going to happen. We're not going to think that here in worship, we are not the audience. You know who the audience is? He's the audience. We're the players. We're the actors that give worship to the one who is watching us. Let's think about it in that regard. And remember, you know, there's this dichotomy in, in our tradition right? Maybe church tradition, whatever, that people need to first behave. And then they can believe. And when they do those two things, then they can belong and they can be in us. They can be in our midst. If they have not behaved and believed, they can't be here. But the love of God tells us that that order is not that order. They need to be able, we need to be able to welcome them in our midst. Not become a full-fledged member of the church because that is biblical. You need to be a baptized believer believer to be a member of the church. But we need to welcome them in our midst. And when we welcome them to our midst, they can believe what we teach. Because they can see. And then when they believe, then they can adapt that belief in their life. They can behave. That is what happens when we do not think of obeying God in a way that really is an appropriate response, loving obedience. When we are ruled by fear and by our own self-interests, things happen. Bad things happen in our relationship with God. And so God tells us, you know, Jesus asks in Luke 6:46, if this is what you do, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to do the things that I tell you? Right? 
Now, we go to the love aspect. And this is amazing because, again, God, uh, in his word, puts those two things together side by side. And they're equal. Love and obedience. We need to grow in our loving obedience to God. Because we, re- we have to remember that this is what God has commanded us from the ber- very beginning. Um, look at Luke 10, 27. This is a quote from the Old Testament, right? Uh, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. I love this because in so many words, God tells us, if you're going to love me, you, gotta, you have to love me with everything that you are. Not just when you're at work. Not just when you're at your house with your parents, with your family. Not just when you're with your church friends. Not just when you're doing your hobby. Everything. Look at this. Heart. What is heart? The seed of your emotions. In your emotional life, you have to love God. Soul. In your spiritual life, you need to love God. Strength. In your physical life, you need to give it all to God. In your mind, in your intellect, in your decisions, we need to show love for God. And we need to love our neighbor ourselves as well. And he enjoins this by, remember what Jesus said in the Great Commission? Right? The last words of Jesus before he went up to heaven was this. We understand this. We've been talking about this for, a year, for, 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 you know, for part of the year now. But I want you to focus on this part right here. Obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus didn't say, I want you to know everything that I have commanded you. Because if the command is, I want you to know everything that I've commanded you, then we can just, we don't have to be here. We don't have to do discipleship. We can just make pamphlets or books just hand it over to you. You guys just read it. Because you just need to know it. You just need to hear it. But the command is, we want to do it. Doing is not the same as hearing the word. James tells us that. We need to do it. And, 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 and God tells us through his word, we need to obey everything that he has commanded us. And when we do that, that is when the blessing comes, when we do it. Not just knowing it, when we do it. Okay? Because sometimes we are, when, we're motivated, when we're motivated by fear and self-interest, we think that we can just know. We, we think that we're, it's enough for us to uphold the Word of God. To tell our preachers, you need to preach this, you need to say that at the pulpit, we need to put this in our website, we need to have this as a study. That's good. But God is saying, that's good, but what I want you to do is not just that. That's just this much. I want you to actually do it. I want you to uphold it, yes, but I want you to actively do it in your life. That is what we're trying to focus our minds on starting this year and on to eternity. Is to be intentional about doing that. Okay? Now, how do we become intimate with people? I'll just show you a picture here. I think there's a picture. Okay, and then he enjoys that together. If you love you, keep the commandments. But I have a picture here. You know, I told you about cuddles with my kids. This is just a picture that Linda took. When I study, 
They would just come to me and they would just want to cuddle. And these are the times when I feel really intimate with my kids. I feel like I'm one with them. I love it. Do you guys know when God feels like he is one with us? That he actually is intimate, like we are in an intimate relationship with him? I'll give you an example. In, uh, in the New Testament, there was a time when Jesus was talking to people, but then his parents, his brothers and mother were really... like Imagine, like, here's your brother, and he's telling people that he's the son of God. You grew up with this dude. You played, you played marbles with this dude, and he's telling people, hey, I'm the son of God. They were ashamed of Jesus. They were like, you know... And then at one time in Scripture, it seems to say that... Um, um, you know, hey, can you tell Jesus to come here, right? And the word got, went, went to Jesus and it's like, hey, your, bro- your mother and your brothers want to talk to you. And you know what he said? Who are my brothers and sisters? Who are the people that are my kin? He said this in Matthew 12, 4, 9 to 50. He pointed to his disciples. Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever, What? Does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. It's not, do you know it? It's not, are you coming? It is, are you actually doing it? Are you actually doing it? Then Jesus has an affinity with you, with me. It is the same thing when he said in John 14, 21, look at the intimacy that's coming out of this. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. What an amazing picture of an intimate relationship with Jesus in loving obedience. And then in 1 John 4.18, when this happens, then the fear is going to go. We're going to grow in our loving obedience to God. Perfect fear, uh, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Brothers and sisters, I want us to focus on growing in our loving obedience to Christ. But as I end here, I want us to think about the utility for us because again, we want to know how this affects us because that's just who we are, right? I want to tell you a story about this guy. Do you guys know who this guy is? This guy is called Harvey Pennick. He was a golf he was a professional golfer in the early 1900s, like in the 1920s, 1930s. He died when he was 90 years old. This guy is huge at his, uh, during his day, right? Harvey Pennick would uh, would started writing about golf because he would learn tricks here and there. So he wrote it, he wrote it on, on, on a book. Like his little red book. He bought it at a store. He started writing his little red book. In the 1920s, he started that. The first time he let anybody read that book was in 1990. He showed it to his friend who was a writer, like a sports writer. Hey, do you think this could be good if I publish this? And the guy was like, yes, it is good. You publish it. I'm going to look it up for you. So this guy went and talked to a really popular uh, uh, publishing house in New York, Simon and Schuster. I don't know if you've heard of that. 
So the guy, the, the writer guy, was doing this for his girlfriend friend, for Harvey. Like, hey, do you want to read? And, and the publishing guys were like, yes, we'll publish it. And you know what? We'll give him 90, a $90,000 advance. So the guy calls Harvey's friend. Hey, Harvey, I talked to Simon and Schuster. They're in. And they're, they're willing to give, you know, I mean, 90, a $90,000 advance. Harvey Panic did not respond. He totally like, what do you call it when somebody texts you and you don't answer? What do you, what do you call it? Ghost or whatever? He totally ghosted this guy. But the next day, they went to the golf course. And this guy was like, Harvey, what happened? You didn't respond to my message. You know what Harvey said? Harvey's reluctant. He's like, um, you know, I'm getting old. My wife's getting old. We're, we have a lot of medical expenses. I don't think we can afford $90,000 to give to this publisher. Do you guys get it? The $90,000 advance was supposed to be from the publisher to him. He thought he was giving that to the publisher. When we talk about things like obeying God, that is what we think about. My Sundays are going to be off now. I'm going to have to attend one more thing during the week. I'm going to have to pray now. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do that. We're doing like a Harvey panic. Not realizing that 1 John 5, 3, our scripture reading today is not over yet. There's another line there. And I want to end with that. That line is this. His commands are not burdensome. It is made for you and for me. If we do something different, I'm telling you, anxiety, depression, bad stuff is going to happen. His commands are not burdensome. In Matthew 11, I believe it's 28 to 30, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Who among you here are not weary and heavy laden? Who among you here do not have problems? We all do. And Jesus says, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. But to trust and obey. Thank you for your time.